Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. All right, so on today's uh, episode, we are joined by Larry Levine, um, author of Selling from the Heart, and really excited about this episode as Larry is super passionate about why being authentic is key to success when it comes to selling. So welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm I'm looking forward to this. (laughs) Awesome. I'm actually really excited (laughs) to have you on. Um, And I know that we spoke beforehand a little bit, and you know what, we could have gone for hours, but... um, I actually was hoping that uh, we could talk, the flavor of today is really about why authenticity when selling matters and how we can still achieve targets by being genuine and real. Um, but before we get into this, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and how you got started in sales. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> I know you've got a long career. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm not going to date myself, I promise. But... <laughs> You know, I've been in sales my whole career, and it's it's just really interesting because because I always say, you know, to be in sales, you got to enjoy helping people, you got to enjoy conversing with people, you you just yeah. you just have to you just have to love that, and yeah. and I think a lot of people fall into sales for sometimes all the wrong reasons, yeah. and I, I got into sales. Actually, uh, I got into sales because I wanted to be a pharmaceutical sales rep, but coming right out of college and I did, I had the, all the degrees, but I didn't have the street smarts, right? I I didn't have any sales on the street sales experience. So I kind of dove in and figured out, you know what, I got to do something because I was, I was getting married at the time. So, uh, my dad said, Hey, why don't you go out and sell copiers? Cause that's probably the hardest thing you could probably do. Yep it's you're worth your weight in gold if you can last a year. And, and, I, and I'm saying this because I, I shared in my book is this is about 1987, 1988. Yep. And, you know, back then it was just hard nose in your face sales training, which was sit in front of a TV and watch a bunch of videos for a while. And then here's your business cards. And then I'm going to tell you what to say. And you're going to go out and grab 50 business cards. And that's kind of how I was trained, Luigi, in this is that. Yeah. And why I share this is because it, it made me strong inside going, you know, this just isn't right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just wasn't trained properly. I wasn't coached properly in the beginning parts of my career. And I said, you know what, if, if I'm, if I'm going to make a go at this, I got to do something different. And I yep. started searching out people in the areas that I was selling and who are some of the most successful salespeople, what were they doing? And I started taking them out for coffee and started buying them lunch. I started picking their brains and they helped me kind of form a little bit about who I am today. But more importantly is I just took a step back and I always say I'm my own worst sales manager because I was harder on myself than anybody else was. Yeah. And I held myself to a different degree of accountability. I said, hey, if I'm going to make this work, I kind of use the old Frank Sinatra saying I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) And, And I just smashed everything together. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be the best version of myself. Yep. Because, you know, you don't do unto, it's that old saying, you know what, don't do unto others as you wish not done to you, something yep. like that. Yep. And I said, you know what, this is treat people with the utmost respect. I enjoy the art of the conversation. I enjoy helping people. And I enjoy driving a great conversation. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to be the best version of you. Be the real person, be genuine, be authentic. Yep. Be approachable and listen to them. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it simple, but that's that's the that's the mantra that I took throughout my whole entire sales career. Yeah. And I can hear that. It, yeah, and and I and I and I and I actually and you can tell and, and that's why um you know fake it till you make it in sales just just doesn't cut it. Yeah. And you know, I I'm really I'm passionate about it. I know it's an often overused word, but you either love what you do or you hate what you do. And too many people get into sales for all the wrong reasons and you can smell it. Yeah, you can. Yep. 
it's just, you know, people can smell BS. People can smell insincerity. People can smell when you're faking it. They can smell when you're disingenuous. They can, they can smell everything about you. So my whole entire sales career, I said, you know what, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what the polar image is of a salesperson in the minds of my of clients and prospects. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I often, you know, when working with salespeople or organizations, I notice that, you know, I'd say that sales is actually quite a simple process, um, but we complicate it. <laughs> and, uh, and I want to ask you, because I've heard you talk about this in the past, about how you were schooled when you were a uh, copier sales rep and how this imp- impacted your career. Do you mind sharing that story with us and the impact that had on your career? As far as how I was schooled? Yeah, you, there's a moment that I, I remember hearing you talk about when you went into a, to talk to a CFO. I think he's still your friend today, and um, how he delivered some pretty pretty bad news to you, oh, and you asked him for feedback. But, dude, so, sorry. Now, now no, that's you're, all good. you're jogging my memory, man. And yeah, not that old, <laughs> but holy smokes. <laughs> so I, I remember, yeah, and, and and you're right. This person still is a good friend of of mine, still to this day. But what happened, you know, we, we all have these light bulb, we all have these aha moments, and you hope you're never schooled by an executive. Yeah. But I, I got a really good life lesson, and gosh, this now probably is, I'm probably hitting on 15, 16, 17, 18 years, might even be longer than that. Yeah. But I remember sitting in front of us, a brand new opportunity, right? We call them net new, right? So it was a first in meeting with a chief financial officer of this major manufacturing company here in my marketplace. And I've been working really hard to get this appointment. And so I get in there and we start the small talk, right? I call it chit chat. Yeah. You know, some people might call it, you know, BS. The, you know, the first couple of <laughs> minutes, you're just sitting there BSing with people. Yeah. But this is what you could get away with 15, 18, 19 years ago because there wasn't social back then. Yeah. So I'm sitting there asking him some questions, right? I'm, I'm going through the thing. I got pen on paper and, and all of a sudden he goes, you know something, I'm stopping this thing. I'm stopping this meeting. And I'm, and I'm keeping it simple for, for time's sake. Yep. And he goes, You've at, you're asking me the same sets of questions that the other three and four salespeople have already asked. They're all about you. They're not about me, right? Mm. So let's just cut through the chase. And I go, wow. And I kind of closed my book, Luigi. I said, you know, mentally, I said, I'm done. I'm toast. Yeah. I'm never going to get this deal because I've been exposed, right? Yep. And so I closed, I, I, just ba- I just closed my book and I go, I almost, I almost walked out. I almost got up out of my chair and walked out. But something said, you know what? He's telling me something. Mm. And so all I did is I asked him, right, you know, I insert his name and I said, well, tell me, what do you mean by that? Well, you're the third person who's come in, who's asked me the same sets of questions and so forth. I says, well, great. If you're in my shoes, what would you be doing? Well, what do you like about salespeople? What do you don't like about salespeople? And for half an hour, then I opened up my book and I took a bunch of notes <laughs> and it was, and it was at that point that I started doing what he had shared with me and I started doing the complete opposite of what he didn't like about sales reps. Yep. And that's why I said, you know, this stuff's not that hard. It's just listen. And that's why today I always say the best source of training for salespeople, besides what your company does or what your managers do and so forth, which I hope is a lot, ask your clients and prospects for help. Yeah. They're talking to other salespeople, right? They have salespeople in their organization. They're seeing it. They're observing it. Yep. And it was interesting because I was able to then, months later, get this person as a client. And then it, they were a client all the way until I got out in the industry. He's still a friend of mine today. They still live in the same community I do. Wow. And we all, have those, we all have those light bulb moments. And there's not a salesperson out there who hasn't been schooled by an executive, hasn't had a crappy first meeting, right? Yeah. It's what are you going to do about it? it? It's, you know, I always say just, just man up, right? Or woman up, depending. And just ask some questions, right? Acknowledge that you screwed up. Yeah. Throw your heart into it. Be a, be vulnerable. And I always say, you know what? I wear a big, big, huge capital V on my chest because I'm <laughs> probably the most vulnerable person out there. Because I don't mind asking for help. I don't mind rolling it up. Yeah. And I don't mind. And I don't mind crying. And I don't mind just. I just don't mind just getting in the thick of things because I care. Yeah. 
I care about my clients. I care about my prospects. I care about my family. I care about my career. That's why I do these things. And this is one of the reasons why I love engaging with your content, um, Larry, because, you know, you, you can, it's not, you're not faking it. That's who you are, you know? And um, I want to ask you just on that, because you talk about already you've said care, approachable, authentic, respect, helping people. What's your definition of, of a sales professional? Uh, well, you just, I mean, you brought up some, you know, some key words, some key descriptive words and, and all that. And uh, I mean, yeah. I like throwing zingers out there just because, yeah. you know, I keep it simple. And I, and I said, a sales professional does everything a sales rep won't do. Okay. I actually love that. I'm going to have to tweet that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put that out there. That's awesome. That is really good. It, but, but. But, but it, you know, it, and the same could be said for just about any other, you know, profession that's out there. But I said, you, you know something, listen, sales professionals, are, they're committed to their craft. They hold themselves accountable. They're constantly yep. learning, right? They're constantly, they're constantly yeah. keeping their pipeline full, right? They're, they're constantly holding themselves to non-negotiable items that they must do yeah. every single day. Whereas a sales rep points fingers, right? Blames other people, all right? I had a crappy month because fill in the blank yeah. with 20 other excuses, right? A sales professional is going to say, you know what? I'm responsible for my career. Well, I might be in an organization that might help me, but if I can't help myself, how do I expect yeah. anybody else to help me? And so, you know, to me, I held myself so accountable and I still do to this day that sometimes it's to my own detriment, but you know, that's my own personal demons. But to me at sales professionals learning, they hold themselves accountable. They know who they are. They're not afraid to ask for help. They're going to self-reflect every day. They're going to become self-aware of who they are. They're not going to point fingers. They're going to have those mirror moments, right? They're going to stare in the mirror and they're going to look at themselves. And if they had a crappy month, it's not the company's fault. It's not their client's fault. It's not their prospect's fault. They look in the mirror and said, it's my fault. I'm the one who had a yeah. crappy month and I'll fix it. Whereas sales reps will point the blame at other people, right? <laughs> oh, it's Luigi's fault, right? Because he stole three from me, right? Or it's Joe's fault because he didn't do something for me. Or it's Mary's fault because she didn't get yeah. this proposal out for me on time. You know, it, 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 it's there's sales professionals yeah. and there's sales reps, right? There's professional athletes yeah. and there's athletes. So that, I mean, that, that's the way I, I don't know any other way I can define it other than to keep it simple. A sales professional does everything that sales reps won't do or find excuses not to do. And I, lo I love what How's that's that? a perfect answer. You know, that self-reflection piece. Um, and again, talking, you know, I, I think before we got started, I, I mentioned to you that I'm, I'm still a student of sales, you know. Um, all the books that I read from some of the best authors in the world in, 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 in our industry, I'm trying some of these new techniques and sometimes you don't get it right. Um, and I can do one of two things. I can walk away from that opportunity and thinking, you know, why did I try that technique or, okay, what could I have done differently? And it's funny you talk about that school um, being schooled by an executive. I'm, um, you know, with one of my current clients, we're the incumbent provider for, you know, a, a bunch of services. And Recently, I learned that they went to a um, to market for a proposal for things that we did, and you know, at first I was a bit taken back, and I remember I thought to myself, you know, why, what, why, why, and you know, um, and I spoke to them, and and they said, okay, we'll, we'll give you a shot, and and but what I did was I asked him a question: why weren't we considered in the first place? Because I need to get better at what I do, and I've obviously missed something, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was the best learning for me because he gave me some really good feedback. And I could have done one of two things. I could have ignored that feedback, um, but no, what I've done is I've taken that feedback on board and said, and said this is a great learning because it's my customer giving me feedback on, on, on their perception of, of us. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you bring up a great point because, and, and one, I admire you for what you just said. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you, you, you kind of got humbled a little yeah. bit. But, but, but it just... And I was keeping it polite because I could have said it. I could have said a bad word, but I, <laughs> I promised you I wouldn't say anything bad on this podcast. Yeah. But um, but how many salespeople are fall into that situation? Have had that situation happen to them, right? right. And, and I'll admit, you know, I'm going to throw up both hands on this one because it's happened to me in the past as well. Is 
we take sometimes we take our clients for granted yeah that they're always going to do business with us that's one that's mistake number one mistake number two is we don't continually educate our current clients on how to help them do better business number three is we don't consistently see our clients number four is we don't consistently do reviews with our clients and help them and help them uncover how we can help them do better business. And we don't educate our current clients on all the offerings that we have. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because again, it just goes back and, and I see it and I see it with the sales teams I coach as well. It's those mirror moments, right? Mm. It's those mirror moments where you find that your clients went somewhere else to buy something that you can sell them, but you fail to educate them and you fail to share everything that you could possibly help them with. Yeah. And I always say shame on us yeah. for doing it. Exactly. And because we haven't obviously delivered value somewhere in the process for them to go somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Now you're going to, now you've got me fired up <laughs> Be, because you, you, I, I really want to key on that word because you said, cause value, right? Yep. It's hard for salespeople to deliver value if they don't understand what value means. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and I really drill on that. And I get charged up about it because in the sales world, we use the word value. It gets thrown around a lot. Like we, like, like we say hello and goodbye to people. Yep. Well, I'm going to be a value to you. I'm going to be a value-added partner to you, right? We got value-added service. Well, hell, mm. what's that mean? And I, and I always said, man, if I was that savvy executive – and some salesperson said, well, we're, we're going to be a value-added partner to you. I'd poke holes at that all day long and say, well, tell me, what's value mean to you? Yeah. Think about that one for a second. Mm. Not too many people understand truly what does value mean. Yeah. And then they wonder why they get beat up over the head all the time. Yeah. And this is a perfect segue to this next question. I and I hear you talk about this a lot, and I know it'll get you. Uh, it's going to get you jammed up, right? So, the concept of the empty suit salesperson. <laughs> Can you expand on this, please? Oh, you, it's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I beat this one to death, and I'll continually <laughs> beat on it, and I'll beat on it, and I'll beat on it. Um, you know, so, some, somebody asked me. Uh, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago yep. and somebody asked me the question. They go, Hey Larry, what's the, what's the favorite chapter out of all, you know, 10 chapters of selling from the heart. Yep. And I said, chapter 10, yep. they go, that's the last chapter. And I said, because it's about not being an empty suit. Yep. And I go, I mean, when I wrote that, I was laughing, I was laughing my ass off <laughs> when I was writing the last chapter of that book because, and sorry to all the salespeople who are out there, who probably aren't going to say they're an empty suit, but unfortunately, most salespeople that I've run into are empty suits. Yep. They're a shell of themselves, right? They're, they're walking around like, you know, pardon the expression, their crap doesn't stink, right? Yep. They can't articulate a value proposition. They don't understand how to align themselves inside their clients' business problems and challenges, nor their prospects. Yep. They got this, you know, I'll just fake it and wing it mentality. Or they come up with this big fancy value proposition because somebody in management said you got to have a value proposition. Mm. So they recite this and then there's nothing else behind it. Yeah. To me, that's an empty suit. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why I always say, you know, there's too many sales facades out there. There's so many sales fakes that are walking around that are actually just broken salespeople who don't know who they are, that are faking it, right? They wing it. They're going to try to outwit, outcharm, outplay everybody else yep. until they get exposed. And, mm. you know, I'm not doing this to ruffle people's feathers. Yeah, I might just because I get a kick out of it sometimes. <laughs> just yeah. But I, I, I sincerely do this because I care. Yep. I care about the profession because it provided well for me and my family. I was committed to my employers that I worked for and I was committed to my clients and my prospects. So, you know, there, there's just so many people who don't do that and I'll expose this profession all day long mm -hmm. and say, you know what? You are an empty suit 
until you can figure out who you are and align your values to your clients' values and actually care about them more than just putting money in your pocket. Yep. Now I'm fired up, dude. All right. That's good. That's what I was hoping for. So is that what inspired you to write Selling from the Heart? Um, partially. But, I mean, the reason why I wrote it is I made, when I got married to my wife, I, I made a huge commitment to her that yep. not only was I going to provide for her and then obviously, our, you know, when we had kids, but I also wanted, I, I looked her in the eye and I committed because I, I had just started my sales career. Yep. And I said, you know what? When I was, and I, and I gave myself a goal and that goal was at the time I was, by the time I was 50 years old, I wanted to write a book. Yep. Well, I missed that one. I wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't too far off, but you know, I'll be 54 in a couple of weeks. So I wrote the book and you know, I started writing the book right after I turned 53 uh-huh. <laughs> and the book, and the book came out five and a half weeks ago. So I I was a little bit off target, but I mean, that was one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I wrote the book, but more importantly is because, you know, I have my podcast selling from the heart, which one day you, I I know you'll be on. But (laughs) as as I started podcasting with my co-host, Daryl Amy, and then as I started working with sales teams, you know, across the States and over by you and in Canada, I started seeing that the issues were deeper than what I thought. Yeah. And what and what I mean by that is, you know, today we live in a world that's digitally driven, right? We're empowered by social. Yeah. We got networks and all that. And everyone thinks, right, sales has changed and we got to become these masterful digital sellers. Has social and digital played an important part in my career? Absolutely, right? Yeah. But the, re- but the reason why I wrote Selling from the Heart was because I would I – w- I committed to myself to wave the flag on authenticity and being genuine and being sincere and actually giving a rip about your career. And as I started working with sales teams, this started, you know, as I stepped out of the field as a salesperson, decided to say, you know what, I'm going to pour my heart back into the sales profession. I'm going to coach sales teams on what I did out in the sales field. I started seeing the issues being exposed Salespeople can't clearly articulate a value proposition. They can't clearly share a story. They can't clearly align to business problems and challenges. They can't remove doubt. You know, they can't remove risk and eliminate doubt of somebody doing business with them. And in its simplest format, they struggle having a business conversation. Their business acumen's at an all-time low. But then we want to teach them all these quote-unquote modern ways to sell. Yeah, which is which is a bunch of crap. Because if you can't do all these other things correctly, you'll never yeah. see the fruits of the labor of social. And I'll go all day yeah. and I'll go all day long on this one because I see it. And that's why I said, and that's why I said sales is broken. It's broken yeah. at the core fundamental level. And so that's why I decided, you know, I'd already had selling from the heart podcast. Yeah. And I go, you know, when I decided to write the book, I go, it was just easy. I'll just call it selling from the heart and stem it off the podcast. <laughs> and then I said, yeah. you know, how your authentic self sells you because we've got to work on our core. Yeah. And, you know, our core is our inner self. It's just like, you know, if you work out for any of your listeners who work out, right, you got to work on your core. You've got to strengthen your core, which is the girdle around your back. Because if you don't do that and your back gets all jacked up, you know, it messes with your brain and messes with your arms and your legs. It just screws up with you. And I know because I've had a bad back. So if you can strengthen your core and your core is, you know, your sales life, right? It's who you are. And that's why when I wrote the book and I pieced it together, I said, you know what? We're going to get brutally honest, right? This might not be the, the book for everybody. But it's going to be a cold dose of reality. And that's what I just wanted to write something that would stand the test of time. That would be a read and a reread that says, you know what? We all can do better. And if you want to become the best possible sales professional out there, it starts with you. That's why I wrote Selling Mm. the Heart. Yeah. And that's so inspiring, you know. And I talk, I love it because the stuff that, you know, you're talking about, and I'd say this so many times to, you know, salespeople, sales reps is, it's the core, is the fundamentals, is, you know, I, I was coaching a guy the other day who said prospecting's beneath me. You know, I'm 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 too I'm too experienced to prospect, and um, I I struggled to to uh, respond to him <laughs> because 
you know? did you, you know what? Okay, net, okay, here, I'll make you a deal right now. Yeah. <laughs> the next time something like that happens, I'm going to give you my cell phone number after we're done with this. Yeah. And you call me and you put me on speakerphone with those people. <laughs> And I'll, and I'll and I'll just I'll poke holes at those yeah. jokers all day. Yeah, and I, and that's what I mean. I mean that that those sales fundamentals are absolutely critical. You know, um, understanding your customer, asking questions, building relationships, and this is where I think. And I want to ask, I want to talk about this in a moment um, about you know digital versus building relationships, and and how do we how do we use it to to enable us to build relationships, but. I want to take it a step back. So if you're a, say we've got some listeners who are the sales rep, they're the empty suit, walking around, listening to podcasts, saying, hey, you know, I've got my positive mindset going and that's what makes me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm faking it till I make it. What can they do to start moving away from being an empty suit and becoming a sales professional? What's one or two things they can, they can change immediately? Wow. I would say... I'd say this is they just got to, ha- they just got to be gut level honest with themselves. Yeah. So that mirror, mirror moment is, you know, I would say mirror never lies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't right. Mirror never lies. Yeah. And pipeline never li- lies as well. Right. <laughs> but if, if that, if those, if those people could take a step back and go, who am I? Right. Yep. What am I all about? Am I living the real me? Is this me? And, and then furthermore, you know, that, that sales rep who's walking around with that fake it till they make it, you know, attitude, you know, maybe one day they'll get that, that cold dose of water, you know, just yeah. thrown in their face. You know, maybe they ask their significant other, their spouse, right? A close friend based on what you know of me, right? Yeah. What could I do better? Right. Is this the real me? How would you describe me? See where I'm going with this? Yeah. It's a, it's a different way of looking at things and, 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 and maybe I'm taking a different approach at this. But, you know, you get into sales for a reason, right? Yeah. And I know why most people get into sales, right? It's the age old thing because I want to make money. Yeah. But, but money comes from doing those things yeah. that others aren't willing to do. Yeah. And it's funny because I, you know, I often say that I don't get up in the morning to make money. That's not my driver. Um, I don't see sales as a mechanism to make money. Like there are far more easier ways to make money. And I say this because true selling is hard work. And that's why I love Jeffrey Gittemore because he's as blunt as it can be. He tells you if you want to be the best in sales, you've got to be prepared to do the hard work. He doesn't sugarcoat it. And I know whenever I've had really great, you know, months or, or billing years, it's been because I've got a shitload of rejection. I've had a, a, you know, a number of people hang up on me when the prospecting stage, or I've had a number of proposals go out when I probably shouldn't have gone to proposal and they said no. Um, you know, and so, and that, that's why, that's why I'm a, I'm a sales learner. I'm a, you know, I'm still the student of sales because no matter how much I do to master my craft, I've still got a whole lot of learning to do. So I really, really appreciate what you've just said about asking our loved ones and asking the people that um, around us, who are we? What we have to do differently? What are the values that we need to live in order to be better people? So thanks very much for sharing that. Yeah. No, dude, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. And, and I agree with, you know, what Gittimer, you know, told you is yeah. sales is hard, right? And, you know, everyone's looking for the silver bullet to success because nobody wants to do the hard work. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it just, yeah. it cracks me up. You know, it, it absolutely cracks me up that very few plan, very few yeah. practice, very few prepare, but yet they want to make six figures yeah. a year. Right. Sal, you know, in, in commissions and salary, however you want to all smash this together. But, but here, here, here's the big, here's the biggest crock of crap of them all. And this is why I just, I I just pick (laughs) apart tenured sales reps is, you know, I asked him, I said, when you got into sales, what did you do? Well, I worked my ass off, right? I worked 12 hours a day. I prospected all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I was constantly learning. I said, then what changed? Now, why is prospecting beneath you? Why is learning beneath you? 
what happens if you lose one or two or three of your top clients, right? What happens if your employer decided to strip all your accounts away and now you got to go and get brand new business again? You'd crap in your pants, right? Yeah. You probably quit and, and you probably quit and go find a job where somebody gave you a base again so you wouldn't have to do the basics. That's what cracks me up. But how many, like, this is what, how many salespeople that you talk to, and we let's call them sales reps, is that they only do training when the company puts it on, or, you know, or they're not looking for, you know, further education to to help them get better at what they do. And I find that really difficult, because if I look at the best athletes in the world, you know, the ones, they're the ones that are working harder, you know, the Roger Federer's, oh. you know, Tiger Woods, you look at them, they, the amount of effort they put in in that preparation stage. And I bring that, I love that fact that you talked about preparation because, you know, when I um, have the pleasure of coaching and the privilege of coaching salespeople and sales professionals, I often talk about role playing, you know, and before going into a meeting, do you role play? Do you say, this is how I'm gonna set the meeting up and this is how I'm gonna build rapport, some of the questions I'm gonna ask or what's the research that you've done? And so many people are against role playing. And I'm like, well, oh, you know, you wouldn't yeah. go to a tennis, you know, you, these guys don't go to a, 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 the US Open or the Australian Open and, and go, well, I'm just going to show up. Um, because as what does Jeb Blunt said, you show up and you throw up, right? Oh, my God. So, so, so this, because I write about it in my book. Yeah. And, hey, this and, is and awesome, so forth. Larry. It, I'm having a lot of fun with this, mate. So thank you oh, very much. Sir. But no, dude, I, I mean, you're getting me fired. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually, I'm on a rampage on this one. <laughs> Because I see, because there's so many times that people go, you know what? There's so many similarities between professional sports athletes and sales, the sales profession. And I go, really? Yeah. Really? Because what sparked me writing parts in, in my book was based on a comment that I made on social. Yep. And and I'll condense it but I go, you know what? How can you how how can you honestly compare professional sports to sales when professional sports athletes are held accountable yeah. to practice every day, prepare every day, watch game film, role play, right? They're held accountable to all these standards. But can the same be said about the sales world? Yeah. And, and I would, and I would submit to everybody who's listening to this, there's very few. And I, and I'll, and I'll say that with all sincerity and all conviction, there is very few salespeople out there, sales managers, sales leaders that hold their sales team accountable every single day to practice plan and prepare to do their job every single day. Very few role play. Yeah. And very few come to work every single day prepared to do the best they can possibly do. So then how in the world can you compare these two? You can't. No, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't. I mean, we can throw the freaking analogies out all day long and, you know, and all this. I want, you know, the, the other one is, yeah, you ask a sales manager. I would, I'd love, I'd love to hire sports athletes and sports minded people. They're athletic. They're competitive. I said, yeah, but you're throwing them into a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You are. I mean, seriously, you're you're throwing this guy who's or lady who's held who's been held accountable to do all these things because they have that competitive spirit, that drive, that determination, right? Yeah. The grit, the grind and all that. And then you're gonna throw them into a cesspool in your sales bullpen. Mm. How long before that person either leaves or succumbs to their surroundings yeah. and now they're not grit grinding and growing it all the time. They've succumbed to all the other sales BS that's going on. Yeah. Think about that. one. Yeah. And that, and, that, and so just, if we take it back a step to the, you know, we want to move away from that empty suit. And then you've, you've, you've just said some really hot things. I want to capture it. Practice, plan, role play, be accountable to those because, and, and I want to connect that a lot of, you know, sales reps go, I'm accountable because I've got my KPIs and I've got my, you know, my performance enablers and how many people I need to see and how many people I need to close, et cetera. But they're irrelevant because if we're not practicing, if we're not role playing, if we're not prepared, we're just doing activity. And so, you know, I, I really love the fact that you've been able to help us um, break up how to, you know, how to move away from being that empty suit. So thanks, Larry. 
Yeah, no, no, you, no, you're very welcome. And, you know, I just I just want to preface something because, you know, there, there's probably some listeners and there's always Debbie doubters <laughs> out there. Right. Uh, uh, this guy's is full of crap. <laughs> hey, listen, I practice and I prepare and I plan every single day for one simple reason is I podcast. Yeah. I write. Right. I role play. Yeah. I role play with Daryl, who I co pot, who who's the co-host of my podcast. I do all these things, and, and and that's what I share with people is I can look somebody that I say I get what you're doing and not doing because a I eat my own dog food and my dog food is gourmet level dog food and I love eating my own dog food, but I practice what I preach. Yeah. That's why I know everybody has the capability of doing this. It's the will do and the can yeah. do. No, I love that. And then, and then this is awesome because I've got so many, I've, I've taken a whole page of notes um, because that's one of the things that I've identified, you know, and um, I was listening to Jeffrey Gittermore's new book, the Napoleon Hill book um, that came out this week. And uh, one of my goals, I don't write enough. Um, I listen to podcasts, I read books. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a student, I'm practicing, I'm role playing, but I don't write enough. And so... Um, that's one of my goals that I'm, that I'm, I'm actually going to be actively writing. I'm going to try to write every day, um, so that I can become, you know, be better and better at, at writing. So, and, 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 you know, hearing you say that you had a plan to get it done by 50 and then you got it done by 53 actually inspires me to say, you know what, it's going to happen. Um, so thanks, uh, Larry. Now on this, right. So how do we as sales professionals be focused on achieving the outcome we need in our roles which ultimately is to hit our sales targets, right? Um, how do we do that by also maintaining our authenticity and focus on serving the customer? Because sometimes they can be conflicting, right? Like it's end of month coming, we need to hit our target, the boss has got their foot up our ass. How do we actually go, right, I need to serve my customer, but I also need to achieve my own personal outcome. How do we maintain authenticity when that, when that occurs? <laughs> Do you want the politically correct response? <laughs> no, no, I want the real authentic, Larry. Um, it's consistency. And, and, okay. you, and, and, and if you consistently do stuff every single day, now, you know, I'm yeah. making it sound easy. It, it's not, right? And I, and I get it. I get there's pressure from management. I get we got to fit that sale into that 30-day sales cycle or we got to fit it into a quarter. We got to hit our targets and all that, right? But one of the things that I always said, and I said it to myself, and, and believe me, I got into many heated battles with managers, and I refused yeah. to close deals based on rushing, okay? I refused to do yeah. it because I couldn't do it. I couldn't look somebody in the eye and push the deal through when I knew they weren't ready for it just because management wanted me to sell numbers. I, I assume throw a goose egg up there than to piss somebody off who I, who I got to take care of for X number of years or for, you know, however long I'm at that company. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Is I yeah. consistently, so, so a couple things and I coach sales teams to this and I don't know how much more time we have on this, but it, it real yeah. quick, I always, I coach sales teams to two funnels, right? There's a sales funnel and there's a relationship funnel. And the reason why I consistently hit my numbers and I could pull something back and say no is I made sure that in order to have a full sales funnel, I had to have a full relationship funnel. And I, I know it's a different way of looking at things, but to me yeah. is I said, I held myself, I said every, and I still do it to this day. And I've been doing it now 25 years the same exact way is every single day I must open at least two new conversations with somebody yeah. and add them to a relationship funnel. And I treat a relationship funnel the same way I treat a sales funnel because I got a sales funnel. We got top of, middle of, bottom of a sales funnel. Yeah. I know in a relationship funnel, I got a top of, middle of, and a bottom of a relationship funnel. So yeah. if I just meet Joe Blow off the street somewhere and we shake hands, we connect, we do whatever, that's all I know about him, right? That's the top of the relationship yeah. funnel. As I start to get yep. to know this person and they get to know me and I provide value and I educate them and I help them do something, then I'm moving that relationship through the relationship funnel. Well, at a certain point in time, if I feel like 
you know, I might be able to help them and vice versa. And there's an opportunity there. I might, might ask that magic question, right, or two to get it into a sales funnel. That's how yeah. I say consistency. I consistently held myself to a certain degree of standards. But I had yeah. no problem because I knew funnels were always full. That if I yeah. got pressure from somebody, right, especially since today, well, it's not by you, but it is by me. You know, today's the last yeah. day of October over, you know, by you it's November 1st. But you yeah. know, you're, you're getting slack from managers saying, you know what, we got to close the deal by the end of today. I just yeah. can't do that. I can't sell by manipulation. I can't sell by fear. I can't go back in and say, I'll lower my price because it discredits me. Mm. And then I start, and then what happens is then you start training your clients and your prospects for what? You start training them that they can yeah. hold off on everything until the last couple of days of the month because you're going to drop your drawers and you're going to throw all this stuff at them. That's transactional. And I always, and I told my managers this all the time. I said, I can't open up relationships in a transactional manner because a whole yeah. relationship will be transactional. I don't, I, yeah. I, hopefully that answers your question. No, no, it does. It, it definitely does. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, there's so much. This actual relationship funnel is awesome. I've, I've drawn it out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around with this myself because I've never, cons I've never thought about it like that. Um, I'm a massive believer in pipeline management and I was with a client yesterday and end of the month and they were pushing for target and one of the things I said is at the start of the day because it's a consumer sales cycle I said don't look at the new look at the pipeline and if it's not in the pipeline then you know for next month this is a good learning that you shouldn't be waiting till the end of the month to convert because you should already have it in the pipeline. But I've never thought about it like from a relationship funnel perspective so this is awesome. Yeah. And just on that um, – as you talk about visible, valuable, memorable, right? When creating a digital presence. Now, I know that there's a lot of debate and I don't want to go into that cold calling versus social selling, right? Because no, because I, I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll use yeah. a word on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, wanna, I do want to talk about saying, because for me, I know that one of the things that I, 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 I love relationships. I love my customers. I love T talking to them, having breakfast with them, going out for drinks with them. They become my friends, right? Um, so how can we start, if we're starting on a digital presence, what's some of the content that we can create? Because I know that the other thing is, you also say the sea of sameness, yeah? Yeah. And one of the challenges as people having on LinkedIn is there's so much content that's getting pushed out now. You know, everyone's putting a video. Everyone's got, this is how you do it. This is how you sell and or whatever it might be, product, service. How can we um, build or, you know, start that relationship funnel through the digital presence and still add value? Ah, great, great segue into some of the things I talk about is this. Yeah. We, we spend, spend a day on social and all you hear is you got to get visible. 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 I hear it over and over and over again until I want to puke. Yeah. You have to get visible. I get it. Yeah. But in order to really be memorable, you got to understand how valuable you are. Yeah. And, and that's why I, 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 I flip this around and I do it for a reason because I pay attention to everybody. You know, I'm, I, I really look strategically at people that are posting videos or posting content on social. Yeah. And I go, how long is this really going to last, right? Yeah. You know, stick a, stick a phone in front of somebody's face and they're, you know, they think they're God's gift to selling and God's gift to the world because they can shoot a video for two or three minutes and ramble on about something. Yeah. With no disrespect yeah. to anybody, but I just made a statement. But, <laughs> I, <laughs> but there's very few people that understand value. And I said value before visibility equals victory. However. Yep. Visibility before value is going to get your ass vetted out of deals and it's going to get your ass vetted out of relationships. And, 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 I, yeah. and I say this with all sincerity is because until you understand your values, until you understand how you can educate and engage and excite people into conversations and lead with insight and really understand what makes these people tick. You're going to struggle online. Yeah. And I, and I took that to heart 
And when I started taking a look at social, I go, you know something? I got to be strategic with this. And that's how I rose above the sea of sameness is because I understood the value that I brought. I understood what other people valued. I interviewed enough people to find out what they, what they read, what they look for. And I just mirrored it. Yeah. And still to this day, everything that I put out on social, especially LinkedIn is 100% to engage educate and excite somebody into a conversation and help them become the best versions of themselves. You'll see sales stuff. You'll see inspirational stuff. You'll see motivational stuff. You'll see business stuff. You're not going to see crap ever hit your newsfeed from me. And that's what I want people to realize when they're engaging in this is so many people are want the dopamine rush because they want to be visible, right? Yeah, And then two or three weeks later, you don't see them anymore because they don't know what to say anymore. Yep. See, I mean, it's that simple. And, and I'm not discouraging. I say, don't get visible, but become valuable first. Learn your values, learn what other people's value, and then get visible as hell with it through multiple channels, not just social. Learn how to drive yeah. valuable conversations through phone, face-to-face, email, out in networking things, right? Yeah. And then watch what happens. Smash it all together. Mm. But the pro but the problem is, is too many people are saying you got to get visible. This is the best way to do this. Well, great. Well, if you suck at driving a phone conversation and you're even more horrible at driving an email conversation, and if you're even more <laughs> horrible at driving a face to face, how do you expect social to work? It's stupid. Yeah. It ain't gonna work. Yeah, it's not authentic either. And it's not, and people poke holes at it. People poke holes at it all day long. And I'll tell everybody that how I act online is exactly what you get face-to-face. Yeah. No different. Zero. I love what you've said. Engage, educate, excite. But first and foremost, learn what the customer values. Learn what what they want and then serve them, which is fantastic. So thank you for sharing that. Now, look, I've actually... If if you can see my question, we're only halfway through, and I know that we're we're going to have to set up another time to catch up again because this has been awesome. But Dude, I, I, you know, I I will come. I will. We're we're friends now because I know I know where you live. <laughs> I love Australia, so um, I don't know exactly yeah. where you live, but I know the city that you live in, and it's one of my favorites. So, uh-huh. well, that'll be good. But I want to. Do, I do ask this question, and I really want to. Uh, biggest influence in your career, and why? The biggest influence in my career, the biggest, the biggest individual influence, influence? In sales, yeah, biggest sales influence. Was it a book? Was it? Is it someone? A coach? Is it? You know, yeah. someone that? Yeah, I, I, I will tell you probably the and um. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um. There's no dead air. I'm just figuring out how to roll this out because this person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the sing, the single biggest influence, there's two. Can I share two before yeah. we wrap up? You can share two. Yeah, yeah. So one is, is, is a person named Ryan Blair. He probably, yeah. you know, he probably doesn't know it. But about 15 years ago is when I had my aha moment yeah. in sales. And I, I'd say this is about the mid-2000s. This is when it was becoming really hard to get people to respond to, you know, phone call messages, voicemail messages, emails, things like that. And I had saw, I had seen Ryan Blair speak at my son's private school. My son was in high school and his story just impacted me. And I reached out to him. We had a phone conversation. I brought him into the company I was working for and he did some motivational stuff and I pulled him into my office and I closed the door and I said, I could really use some help. And I poured my heart out to him. Yep. And he helped me, right? He said, he helped me. I go, man, he goes, have you ever had a business coach or a mentor? I said, no. And he goes, would you like to have one? And right then and there, I wrote this guy a $10,000 check. Wow. And I said, I want you to help me. And for the next four months, he taught me the biggest lesson that I carry with me to this day. And that was how to take me and what I do out in the marketplace and mirror that online. And that's why I'm so yeah. hypersensitive and critical to your online presence as a salesperson 
and I owe a lot of this to Ryan Blair is because he taught me how to be, he, he taught me how to take what I was doing out in the field and mirror it online yeah. through a website. And that's the first person. The second, the second person who means a lot to me is, was a father figure to me who just passed away 30 days ago. And his name's Irish John Gore. Listeners probably aren't oh. going to, you know, these names aren't going to mean yeah. anybody, anything to anybody. But that person taught me and reinforced that in order to get, you must be willing to give. And I say, and I say this because salespeople out there who are listening is you got to give of yourself to your clients and your prospects in order to get something in return. And I learned that wholeheartedly from him because he taught me how to do community service. He taught me, you know, really what it meant to lead from the heart in being the best version of yourself, not only in your career, but out into the community. So those are probably the two most influential people recently outside of, you know, family and so forth. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I I really appreciate you sharing that with us and sorry to hear about your recent loss, you know. Um, but, uh, and, and that's, that's why I wanted to ask about, you know, the biggest influences and what you took away because those aha moments are massive. So I really appreciate. Now, before we wrap up, are you able to maybe tell um, our listeners where they can go and find you? Um, you're really active on social. You've got your book. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um- Obviously, you can find me, you know, I, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So you can find me at LinkedIn. My, my address on LinkedIn is Larry Levine, 1992. You can probably find yep. it in your guys' news feeds. I'm, I'm sure you can. <laughs> you can go to sellingfromtheheart.net. And if you go to sellingfromtheheart.net, you can, there you'll see my blogs. You'll see the Selling From The Heart podcast. Um, if you want yep. to take a sneak peek of my book, you can download the first three chapters of my book. Or you can get the book on Amazon. Um, yep. you can find me on Twitter at Larry one Levine and you can find me on Instagram at Larry one Levine as well. So I'm pretty active on social. Those are about the ones that I use. Fantastic. Well, mate, I just wanted to say thank you. Well, I actually, you know, appreciate the content you put out and it's making me, you know, the contribution you're making, um, to the world of sales and professional selling. So thank you for your time today. Um, really appreciate it. No, it was my, my pleasure. And, and, and I hope there's a second one. Oh, 100%. All right. We're not even halfway through. Selling from the heart is such a simple phrase, yet so many salespeople turn up every day in empty suits. After listening to this episode with Larry, did you recognize on some occasions you are the empty suit? Or are you being authentic and selling from the heart every day? My challenge to you after listening to this episode is how are you going to show up to your next sales meeting? What are you going to do to help your customer? What are you going to do to help yourself? Are you going to be focused on the outcome or are you going to be focused on the customer? So my challenge is, what are you going to do to sell from the heart and be the best sales professional you can be?